Well, Happy New Year. It is so good to see all of you in worship here at Northside in the F FAC, along with those who have joined us online. Part of my prayer is that you have made as your resolution for 2023, uh, putting at the very top of your list, uh, worship and Sunday school every Sunday morning. Uh, this morning, we're talking about food, which may be a little cruel in January when a lot of us have started diets after the holiday excesses. But when you read the Bible, it's amazing how central food is to the story. In the Old Testament, breaking bread together was a covenantal act of faith. God fed the Israelites with manna in the wilderness. In the familiar words of Psalm 23, we talk about God preparing a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. And the Jewish rabbis saw God's coming kingdom as a great messianic feast. The theme continues in the New Testament. Jesus did some of his best work sitting around a table with his disciples. Very first miracle, what is at a wedding dinner in Cana of Galilee. The only miracle recorded in all four Gospels other than the resurrection was the feeding of the 5,000 with bread and fish. Jesus shared a last supper with his disciples, and the early New Testament church is portrayed as meeting in homes and enjoying fellowship and dinner together. It continues to our contemporary church. When we gather before a meal, we ask a blessing. As Ken shared earlier, one of our signature ministries is Wednesday night supper, largest gathering of the week other than Sunday morning, and we're involved in a number of different ministries to feed the hungry. Earlier in the service, just a few moments ago, we joined together in the Lord's Prayer that petitions God in part for our daily bread. And we all realize that's more than physical nourishment. It's also spiritual sustenance. That we gather before God every week asking God to quench our thirst and to satisfy our hunger. So our January worship series is entitled Sunday Dinner. And in the coming weeks, the sermons are going to include soul food, fast food, and angel food. Today, we get to one of the South's most favorite types of food, comfort food. And our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. As you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel. Jesus is speaking when he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. Then in verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Amen. And would you please be seated. In a 1922 collection of poems called The Wasteland, T.S. Eliot talked about April in Great Britain as the cruelest month. 
That may be so, but I would match a Georgia January against a British April any time. This month can be so dreary and dull. First of all, there is the letdown. After the extraordinary events of the holidays to the ordinary routine of just daily life. Secondly, there is personal finance. All those gifts we charged back in December come to revisit us as ghosts of Christmas past in January. And merchants that offered easy credit now want cold cash. And sometimes it feels like there may be more month than there is money. Then there's the climate. Two weeks ago, Mother Nature tried to kill us. A week later, she's acting all spring and cute like nothing ever happened. One day you're wearing shorts and t-shirts, and the next week you're in a down jacket. Also, there is illness. We're in the midst of a triple-demic of RSV, the flu, COVID. You gather together, we all sound like a tuberculosis ward. Some people actually have a physical reaction to winter. There's a syndrome called SAD, which is seasonal affective disorder. People get depressed by the change of the seasons and the lack of sunlight. And at the minimum, we may have a bad case of the winter blues. All this and more would qualify a Georgia January as the cruelest month. But it's more than that. The weather outside might be frightful, but it reflects the inward landscape of our soul. Part of what Scripture recognizes and Christian theology emphasizes is that we are a sinful people living in a fallen world. And it rains, sleets, and snows on the just and the unjust alike. And there's not a single one of us here that doesn't make it through life without our unfair share of bruises, bumps, scars, and stitches. And we gather in worship, seeking comfort from God for body and for soul, to seek God's consolation and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in a world where it seems as if bad news is all that we hear. If we're honest... Many of us turn to food for consolation, for whatever happens to ail us. And one of the relatively new terms in our culture's vernacular is comfort food. It wasn't added to the Webster's Dictionary until 1992, but we all know the definition. It's food that just fills us with a sense of warmth, both of stomach as well as of heart. Oftentimes, we associate comfort food with childhood memories. It's usually high in sugar and carbohydrates, and it may include things like piping hot macaroni and cheese, grilled cheese sandwiches oozing with butter, sugary desserts of cakes and pies, fried chicken, loaded pizza, chicken pot pie, And, of course, chicken soup is always good for the soul. We come to church, whether we would articulate it in this way or not, seeking comfort food. I'm not talking about the Dunkin' Donut holes after worship today, although they're good and the chocolate are my favorite. But all of us have a hole in our soul that we're seeking to fill 
and need to hear God's word of comfort upon his people. Prophet Isaiah in the 40th chapter spoke these words, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. This morning I invite us to hear the Holy Spirit speak over our lives comfort, comfort. Today's scripture lesson from John 14 occurred within the context of Jesus' last supper with the disciples. He had tried to warn them about the upcoming crucifixion, and they were panicked, afraid of being alone. But he continues to reassure them and speaks words like this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Then he went on to say, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another counselor to be with you. Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit. And part of what he said the Holy Spirit would bring to all of us is comfort. There's a translation of the Bible called the Amplified Bible that takes every word and verse and expands upon its meaning. Listen to what it does with this verse. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he might be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, helpless, I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is given the title Comforter. Whenever I teach a class on the Trinity, especially if I'm working with young people, one of the questions I love to ask them is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, what pronoun do you use? It, he, or she? And a fair number will say, it. And I have to gently say to them, that's not really theologically accurate. We're not talking about the force in a Star Wars movie. We're talking about the personal presence of God in our lives. Others will say, he. I'll say, absolutely. That is the traditional language of the church. It's what we use in our liturgy and our worship. Jesus himself in John 14 refers to the Holy Spirit with the masculine pronoun. But when you read the Bible, you also discover she is used. When you go to Proverbs, the Holy Spirit is portrayed as a prophetess, standing on the corner, inviting people to embrace God's word. Earlier in John, he talks about the Holy Spirit giving new birth, which we associate with the feminine. But here's the reality. You can't begin to express and describe an inexpressible and undescribable God. God's beyond all language. So we use a language of poetry, a metaphor of simile. We say God is like. God is like comfort food that warms us from the inside out. A child's pacifier, blankie, or teddy. A down-filled quilt on a cold winter's night. A nightlight that dispels the darkness. The Holy Spirit is like a friend that sits with you in an ICU waiting room and does not feel the need to speak at all. The Holy Spirit is like a teacher helping us to that aha moment or a strong fortress that protects us from all that's without. There are two 
images from my own childhood that come to my mind when I think about the Holy Spirit's ministry. The Holy Spirit is like those moments when I was sick as a young boy, and my mother, rather than using a thermometer, would just put her hand on my forehead because mothers have built-in thermometers in their hands, and it was just a touch of somebody who loved me that made me feel better. Holy Spirit was like riding in a car at night in the back seat, and I would fall asleep. And my father would pick me up in his arms and carry me into the house and tuck me into bed. And sometimes I would just pretend to be asleep so that someone bigger and stronger than me, who made clear to me everything was under control, would carry me in his arms. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would comfort us. And along with that comfort, Jesus said there is another spiritual attribute that the Holy Spirit grants to us, and that is peace. Is there anybody here that could use a little peace in their lives? Have Jesus speak over the turbulent waters of our lives, of our souls, of our circumstances, and say, peace, be still? This is a peace that's more than just an absence of conflict. It's a peace that is fullness of relationship with God that enables us in turn to be in right relationship with others, to experience God's peace. My guess is every one of us come in here today with something troubling our hearts and souls. And I, I remember, especially when I was a younger Christian, people would quote Bible passages, sometimes out of context, and they'd say, you know, God doesn't put on you more than you can handle. There are times God vastly overestimates my abilities. Don't you feel that way sometimes? And it's in those moments that less theology and more understanding of who God is in my life is important to me. Some of the titles we give to God, and we especially use these in services of death and of resurrection, that God is alpha and omega, first and last, beginning and end. Do you know what that means? God is the bookends of history, God is the bookends of our life. Nothing occurs in our life that God is not with us and holds us and cares for us and comforts and consoles us. And then God invites us to be in ministry with the Holy Spirit to offer that same comfort to others. When I served at Sam Jones Methodist in Cartersville, oftentimes when I was talking about pastoral care, I would talk about the consolement that the Holy Spirit brings to each of us and how we in turn offer that consolement to others. And one day, this sweet lady walked up to me and said, Bill, you understand consolement is not a real word. Well, I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. I went home, I was going to look it up and show her, well, it's not a real word. She said, what you're trying to say is consolation. And I said, well, Denise, do you know what I meant when I said consolement? And she said, well, yeah, I certainly understood what you meant. And I said, well, you've got to be pretty smart to make up a word and people understand what it means. <laughs> but I shared a month ago that there's a prayer I oftentimes offer in hospitals and with those that are bereaved. And it, it goes something like this. It says, God allow every call, every card, every text, every email, every covered dish dinner, every handshake, every hug, every pat on the back, be an incarnate reminder of your presence in our lives. 
See, we're the body of Christ, and we say that so much that sometimes we forget what that means. It means we are God's hands. We are God's feet. We are God's voice. If we don't do it, it doesn't get done. Flip side is that we get the wonderful opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit and offer comfort and peace to others when they can't find it themselves. Those of us who are a certain age will recall the musical duo Simon and Garfunkel. And they released one of their greatest hits in 1970 that was entitled A Bridge Over Troubled Water. It doesn't really technically qualify as a hymn, but it is certainly sacred in my mind. And as I quote some of the lyrics, hear God speaking these words to you, but also think of the times we have the chance to offer these words to others. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. When times get rough and friends just can't be frowned like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part when darkness falls and pain is all around like a bridge over troubled waters I will lay me down it was a while back I had gone to a doctor's appointment and I was having a conversation with the receptionist and you know what polite conversation is like I I just said well how are you doing and apparently she thought I really wanted to know because she spent the next three minutes telling me everything that was going on in her life. And I'll never forget, she ended it by saying, you know it's bad when all you want to do is call your mama. We've been there. Maybe we are there. Certainly we will be there. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord your God. When we are weak and sick, the Holy Spirit lays a hand upon our forehead like our mother's and reminds us that we're not alone. When we're sleepy and tired, our Heavenly Father picks us up in His arms and carries us. When we don't feel like we can take another step, the Holy Spirit provides us a strength that is beyond our own. When we feel alone and abandoned and cold, the Holy Spirit drapes her wings around us like an eagle protecting her young. And when the host of evil surrounds us, we dwell in a fortress that cannot be overcome. Comfort, 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 says the Lord your God. Peace, be still. Let us pray. Gracious God, we bring before you the stuff of life this day, the struggles, the heartache, the emptiness, the troubles and tribulations. Meet us where we are. Remind us that we are not alone, that your Holy Spirit abides with us as well as you have surrounded us by brothers and sisters in Christ. Speak to us words of comfort, consolation, peace, and yes, even consolement. In Christ's name, amen.